0: This is Plant-Based Briefing, Do Fish Feel Pain, Part 1, by Emily Moran-Barwick at BitesizeVegan.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. This is the curated content plant-based podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles related to plant-based and vegan living, with permission, in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article is a bit longer, so it's going to be a two-parter. I'm reading Part 1 today, and Part 2 will be next episode. It's by Emily Moran-Barwick. She founded BiteSizeVegan.org, which is an amazing resource for both non-vegans and vegans to learn about all kinds of facets of veganism. She believes in the power of an informed public, that everyone deserves to know the truth about what they're putting in their body, about what they're feeding their children, about how what they eat impacts their planet, and they certainly deserve to know what they're paying others to do to animals in their name. And she even has videos that are designed for kids. They're fantastic. So please check that out, and now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Do Fish Feel Pain? Part 1 by Emily Moran-Barwick at BitesizeVegan.org Fish are often relegated to a somewhat sub-animal status. They're hard to relate to and not as emotionally expressive as other animals. But does this mean they don't feel? The debate over the ability of fish to feel pain is quite intense within the scientific community. And I'm going to do my best to summarize the slew of available research on both sides. I have to be honest, going into this video I figured I'd read a couple articles and write up a script. Two days later I was still reading. I like to keep my video posts as short and simple as possible, but I also don't want to skimp on the facts. So get ready for some hardcore scientific truth bombs. Before we look into whether or not fish can feel pain, we must first understand pain itself. This is a tall order. Scientists are constantly learning more about the nature of pain, and there are still a lot of unanswered questions, but I'll do my best to simplify this extremely complex topic. The International Association for the Study of Pain has defined pain as an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with actual or potential tissue damage, or described in terms of such damage with the conditions that 1. Pain is always subjective. And two, pain is sometimes reported in the absence of tissue damage. And three, the definition of pain should avoid tying pain to an external, eliciting stimulus. These last points are of grave importance within the fish pain debate, so I'll briefly elaborate. One of the most critical concepts about pain is the distinction between nociception and pain— When you cut your finger, that stimulus activates your nociceptors, which are receptors of sensory neurons that respond to potentially damaging stimuli by sending signals to your spinal cord and brain. Nociceptors are often incorrectly called pain receptors. While the message they convey can be interpreted in the brain as pain, nociception itself can occur without pain. Nociception is a purely neurological occurrence, but pain perception is largely psychological and emotional. To illustrate the distinction, if you're under anesthesia during surgery, your nociceptors will still be firing and carrying signals to the dorsal horn of your spinal cord, where a reflex response is triggered and the signal moves on to the brain to be interpreted. However, as you're unconscious while under anesthesia, you cannot interpret these signals as pain and thus do not experience pain. Neuroscientist Patrick David Wall, the world's leading expert on pain, clarifies that activity induced in the nociceptor and nociceptive pathways by a noxious stimulus is not pain, as pain is always a psychological state. Therein lies the rub with the fish debate. In his article, The Neurobehavioral Nature of Fishes and the Question of Awareness and Pain, which has become the go-to resource for the fish-don't-feel-pain camp, Dr. James D. Rose argues that because fish lack a neocortex, a neuroanatomical structure that in humans is associated with conscious awareness, they cannot feel pain. He explains fish's response to and avoidance of noxious stimuli, such as electric shocks, are simply unconscious reflexive responses. Nociception goes way back on the evolutionary timeline, existing in some of the earliest animals possessing nervous systems. Sea anemone, corals, and jellyfish, for example, all possess nociception. Rose compared fish's avoidance of noxious stimuli to the involuntary contorted facial reactions displayed by neocortically damaged humans, who possessed no consciousness yet would grimace in a way we associate with pain when stimulated. Rose argued that because fish lack the conscious awareness of their nociceptive cues due to their absence of a neocortex, they cannot feel pain. This distinction between pain and nociception seems to take down any claim of fish pain perception predicated on their avoidance behavior and possession of nociceptors. However, Rose's stance isn't as foolproof as it may appear. Dr. Stephanie Yu, in her report, Fish and Pain Perception, points out that one of the major flaws in Rose's argument is the fact that it hinges on the neocortex being the sole means by which pain can be experienced, which suggests that it is the seat of consciousness. She goes on to state, A cursory review of the neurobiology of consciousness shows both the complexity of the phenomenon of consciousness and that consciousness phenomena, such as pain, are not restricted to any one location in the brain. The neocortex is unique to mammals. Were the presence of a large, considerably developed neocortex the requirement for experiencing pain, as Rose suggests, his theory would eliminate birds, amphibians, and other non-mammalian animals, and even some mammals, from having the capacity of feeling pain, which is unfounded. In short, comparing a fish or any other different species to our own, rather than attempting to understand their unique physiology, is greatly flawed especially when the neuroanatomical aspects of our own consciousness are still so unknown. This kind of cross-species application is the main flaw of the animal testing model as well. Check out this post linked here in my animal testing series to see how humans are often harmed and even killed by medications that made it through animal trials. Now in reality, the brain of fish isn't even quite as foreign from ours as Rose would have us think. As you points out, Researchers have found many similarities in neuroanatomical structure between fish and land-based vertebrates, from gross regional structures to finer neuronal structures, and neurobiological evidence proposes that there is strong structural conservation throughout evolution. For the sake of time, and to keep this as simple as possible, I'm not going to delve into the specific similarities in brain structure and function between fish and mammals. If you want to get into the scientific nitty-gritty, which I highly recommend, see the resources down below, and the extra bit with the double asterisks pertaining to this point in particular. So to my fellow nerds out there, enjoy! You just listened to Do Fish Feel Pain, Part 1, by Emily Moran Barwick at BiteSizeVegan.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and please tune in tomorrow for the second half of this post where we get into the studies proving that fish do, in fact, feel pain and suffer. So please share this episode with anyone who might benefit, and thanks for listening.